I've said it many times that in China, they think in terms of centuries. In the United States, we think in terms of two-year election cycles, and we tend to lose our concentration very easily. Look, there goes a shiny object. But this next topic may be the most important and underreported, under-talked-about topic of today. Reading from my next guest's piece, which I saw today in the New York Daily News. For decades, much of the world viewed China's Communist Party as benign. The people of Hong Kong, for instance, confidently believe that they would not kill the, gold, the goose laying the golden egg. In other words, China's leaders would leave the territory alone. Well, we see how that's working out. The one country, two systems promise, that's out the door. Uh, China has reneged on that. Now, they have troubles in China, but and we don't want to cut ties with China because that would be counterproductive. As our guest wrote, we just ended, I mean, relatively speaking, on a timeline, ended one Cold War. We would not want to start another one. But I wonder, are there any safe options in dealing with China? The president tonight has a little uh, mini-summit, a Zoom call, with the uh, Chinese president. There are areas, of course, of concern as it relates to uh, the economy, where the president will certainly express his concern, express his, uh, his uh, view that China should be playing by the rules. Gordon Chang is a columnist, author, and lawyer. His book, The Coming Collapse of China, is well-received. He has uh, given briefings at the National Intelligence Council, the CIA, the State Department, and the Pentagon, and I believe a first-time guest here on the Big 89. Mr. Chang, good afternoon. How are you, sir? I'm fine, thank you, and thank you so much, John. Is my, uh, my introduction regarding China accurate, that they think in terms of centuries we can hardly pay attention to the news cycle, and that they're a bigger, probably the biggest threat that we face worldwide? Well, they're certainly the biggest threat we face worldwide, Number two isn't even close because number two, which would probably be Russia, um, is really fueled because of China. China backs Russia, and therefore Russia is a threat. But if it weren't for China, um, you know, Moscow just could not stand up to the international community. And you can say the same thing for Iran, North Korea, Pakistan, Algeria. All of these are fueled by the Chinese. So, yes, China's number one. And um, it is the only one that we really should be focusing on at this particular moment. What leverage does our president have in dealing with the Chinese now, other than us being a great marketplace for them? We've got the uh, most capable military. Um, Beijing needs access to uh, our capital. Um, I mean, we've been fueling uh, China's rise. I mean, China can threaten the United States because we trade with China because we invest in China, because we shovel a lot of technology over there, because we let the Chinese steal American technology. And, John, this really is an issue. The Chinese are criminals and villains. They're murderers, thugs, and thieves. But the point is we've allowed them to do that. So when history looks back at this, and we might not survive this, by the way, but when history looks back at this, they're not going to say, oh, why were the Chinese so evil? They're going to say, why did the Americans help them be evil, and why did we help them actually hurt our society? Is it too late because we want to buy everything for a dime on the dollar? It's not too late by any means, but it does require political will. And it needs a change like we saw from the Carter to the Reagan years, um, where you had a president, Ronald Reagan, who recognized the threat of the Soviet Union, who was willing to say something about it, which is important, willing to do something about it. When President Biden says that China's a competitor, that's not true. 
competitor assumes you're all playing by the same framework in the same rules. Um, the Chinese definitely are not. And when Jen Psaki, the press secretary in that clip you played, said we want them to play by the rules, that's empty talk. Because the question is, what will the Biden administration do to force the Chinese to play by the rules? Remember, they deliberately released a coronavirus that killed 763,000 Americans as of this morning. Do you, you felt, believe, you, just to, let's elaborate on that, you believe they deliberately released it? No question about it. Um, we don't know the origin of this disease, 100%, but we do know one thing, and that is that for a period of at least five weeks and maybe a lot longer, Chinese leaders knew that this disease was highly transmissible from one human to the next, yet they told the world it was not contagious. And while they were locking down their own country, they were pressuring other countries not to impose travel restrictions and quarantines on arrivals from China. You put those two things together, and there are more, but you put just those two things together, and the inescapable conclusion is that Chinese leaders deliberately spread this disease beyond China's borders. This disease didn't have to leave China, but it did because of the decisions that were made by Xi Jinping and his fellow leaders. That voice you're listening to belongs to Gordon Chang. I read his piece today in the New York Daily News. I thought it was really uh, illustrative of where we are uh, in regards to China. He's widely known for his book, The Coming Collapse of China. Um, you know, you mentioned Reagan. Reagan always said, and I reiterated this last week, that he thought that if he could take Gorbachev on a helicopter ride over any U.S. suburban area of a, a major city, and he would see the prosperity, that he would essentially be reformed and start down that road in the then Soviet Union. Do you think China's regime can even begin to be reformed in that same manner? No. I mean, they know very much about the United States. Um, they've penetrated our society from top to bottom. They know what the United States is like. And Xi Jinping believes in control. Um, he believes in a very different type of society. And uh, So this is not something where we can sit down and talk with him and reason with him. Um, Xi Jinping believes um, that um, his uh, country cannot survive in a world where the United States exists because he understands the inspirational impact we have on the Chinese people, and he's deathly afraid of that. Um, they spend so much money and resources um, repressing the Chinese people. Um, some people say even more resources than they spend on their military. Um, that, to me, is could be true, but the point is we know that this regime is deeply insecure and it views the United States as its enemy, and we don't need to speculate about that because People's Daily the most authoritative publication in China, actually declared a quote-unquote people's war on the United States in May 2019. We waited for the USSR to collapse on its own. Is China overstretched enough now, you know, with the debt crisis and uh, um, missed bond payments, rolling power outages, food shortages? Are, do we just, can we outweigh them, or is that not a sound strategy? That is a sound strategy. Um, but it might not be the only one. Um, the problem right now is that uh, the Chinese regime sees a closing window of opportunity. Xi Jinping, I believe, has a number of incentives to lash out. And we have heard Chinese propaganda, especially in August, um, laying the justification for an attack on the U.S. So this is exceedingly dangerous right now. Maybe we can wait them out, um, but we've got to defend our society in the interim 
which means we need to cut those contacts with the Chinese regime because they exploit all of those contacts to undermine our society. And last year, John, the Chinese military, according to Radio Free Asia, actually based a unit in the now-closed Houston consulate. And there they sent out videos on to certain Americans on how to riot. That is more than just subversion. That's an act of war. And again, we have heard from the European Bureau Chief of China Daily, which is an official publication, in a tweet on October 18th of last year, actually urge Americans to commit acts of violence on American streets, in this case, throwing petrol bombs. That also is an act of war. And unfortunately, um, neither the Trump nor Biden administrations took appropriate actions to deal with this. Should we defend Taiwan if necessary? Uh, I believe that we have to. Um, for more than a century, we have defined our western defense perimeter um, off the coast of East Asia, and Taiwan is at the center of that. If we don't defend Taiwan, we're going to have to defend Guam or Hawaii. Uh, the other thing that is important is that China's attacking not only democracies like ours, but the whole concept of democracy. We can't afford to let them do that. And in the wake of the chaotic fall of Afghanistan, Taiwan is now considered to be the test of American resolve. Um, if we don't defend Taiwan, we probably are not going to have allies anywhere in the world because people will think that the United States is unable to defend itself. And in that type of situation, I don't see our allies with us. Uh, as Osama bin Laden said, when people see a strong horse and a weak horse, they always want the strong horse. And in that, he certainly was correct. Mr. Chang, I'm going to buy your book, uh, The Coming Collapse of China, tomorrow if possible from my local bookstore. I'll read it. I'm interested in it. Thanks for your time. We'll call on your expertise again. Well, thank you so much, John. I really appreciate the opportunity. It's a sobering conversation. Best to have this type of conversation on a dark Monday afternoon, my policy. Appreciate your time, Mr. Chang.